Our Old Testament passage today continues with the story of Abraham. Genesis chapter 25, verse 1. And Abraham took another wife, whose name was Keturah. Now, it's because Sarah has died now. Sarah has gone to heaven. So there's nothing wrong with what he's done. But I want you to notice that the promise was with Isaac. Because Isaac was promised to Abraham and Sarah. It took two for this promise. Now, Keturah, she bore him Zimran, Jaxan, Midan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. And Jaxan fathered Sheba and Dedan. And the sons of Dedan are Ashurim, Lashurim, and Lamumim. And the sons of Midian were Ephr, Ether, Hanok, Abida, and Eldah. These were the children of Keturah. And Abraham gave all he had to Isaac. So again, the inheritance went to the child of promise. Now, sometimes when you study the scriptures and you start looking at the concept of inheritance, you, you can't think that every child has an equal share. Now, that, that's what we always think as parents. But Abraham recognized, you know what? There's nothing going to go to Ishmael, and there's nothing going to go to all of these. Isaac is the child of promise. But to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts. And while he was still living, he sent them away from his son eastward to the east of the country. So while he was still living, he gave gifts and sent them away. So he cleared the way. He took all the strife out. He took all the strife out of the house. These are the days of the years of Abraham's life, 175 years. Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. This is what death is. Death is not the end. Death is being gathered to the people, to our people. Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah. Now notice, Isaac and Ishmael buried him. In the field of Ephron, the son of Zahor, the Hittite, east of Mamre. Now notice, the sons came together for the funeral. Funerals can be a very beautiful time for families to lay down some strife and talk about the future. This is what Isaac and Ishmael did, and we'll see others did later in the book of Genesis. The field that Abraham purchased from the Hittites, and Abraham was buried there with Sarah, his wife. I like that. Together. He was buried together with his wife, Sarah. I like that. Husbands and wives. In our families, if you look at the grave plot up in a little city called Baymanet, Alabama, you'll see my grandfather buried next to my grandmother. And you'll see my father. And then you'll see a plot from my mama. They'll be buried side by side. The field that Abraham purchased from the Hittites, there Abraham was buried with Sarah, his wife. After the death of Abraham, God blessed his son. Now notice, after the death. This is generational promise transfer. Generational promise transfer. After the death. This is when generational promise is transferred. God blessed Isaac. And Isaac settled at Be'er Lahai Roi. He settled at the place that is named after the God who sees. 
Now, isn't it interesting that that's where he first met his wife, and this is where he chose to settle? These are the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar the Egyptian, Sarah's servant, bore to Abraham. These are the names of the sons of Ishmael, named in the order of their birth. Nabioth, the firstborn of Ishmael, and Keter, Adbil, Mibsam, Mishma, Duma, Masa, Hadad, Tema, Jetur, Nasish, and Kadema. These were the sons of Ishmael, and these are their names by their villages and by their encampments. Twelve princes according to their tribes. So it's interesting. Ishmael had twelve tribes. Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob, twelve tribes. These are the years of the life of Ishmael, 137 years. He breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. Now again, this is a biblical concept of death. Death is not annihilation. Death is not the end. Gathered to his people. That's what heaven is. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Armenian, and Pada Aram, the sister of Laban, the Armenian, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. So Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are within your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. Now we know that this is going to be Jacob and Esau. Jacob would become Israel, and Esau would become the nation of Edom. And the one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. All right, so we know that Esau was the stronger, and we saw that Jacob is the younger who would be served. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her room. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So he was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in the tents. All right, so Jacob, Jacob, I mean Esau, he was what we would call macho. Jacob is what we would call a home guy. He liked being home. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So, all right, Isaac or Esau was a daddy boy. And Jacob was a mama's boy. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? He said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. The older will serve the younger. 
Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised, and despised means to think little of, his birthright. Chapter 26, verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abram. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Now notice, he went down to Gerar. This is what we would call the Gaza Strip today. It's right there at the border between Israel and Egypt. And God appears to him. Now here is a theophany. And says, now don't go down to Egypt. That's that's not the promised land. I've, I've given you this land. Sojourn in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your offspring, here's the reason, for or because, to you and your offspring I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath I swore to Abraham your father. So he said, listen, stay here, I'll be with you, and I will bless you. So sometimes God speaks to us and says, you know, stay right where you are. It's, it's This is the place of blessing. <laughs> This is the place of relationship and blessing. Now, sometimes we we want to go and do our own thing, and then we wonder why we aren't blessed where we are. Well, because we're not where God told us to be. He said, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and I will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All right, so here is a renewal of the covenant. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Wow. Because. That is a word that you just need to get a hold of. Lifestyle brings covenant and blessing. Now, we talked about that the other day, so let's just keep driving it home. So Isaac settled in Gerar. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, she's my sister, for he feared to say my wife, thinking, lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebecca, because she was attractive in appearance, okay? Like grandfather, like Lolo, like Apo. It was the family story. He just did what the family always did. When he'd been there a long time, Abimelech said, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out the window and saw Isaac. I'm sorry, not Lolo. I'm getting ahead into Jacob. Like father, like son. Getting ahead into Jacob's life already. Because she was attractive in appearance. When he'd been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out the window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she's your wife. How then could you say she's my sister? And Isaac said, because I thought lest I die because of her. Abimelech said, what have you done for us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt upon us. Now notice, here's an unsaved guy knowing adultery brings pain. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. 
Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him. So, all right. So he stayed by faith. And now he planted by faith. Now, you don't plant crops in the middle of a drought. But by faith he did. He put down roots in the land. He stopped wandering and put down roots in the land. And the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. Now, remember I told you earlier, mark that passage where Abraham passed all of his wealth and how incredibly wealthy he was and he passed all the wealth to his son Isaac. But now notice he became rich. What happened to all the money? Famines destroy wealth, especially in an agricultural society. He's got flocks, he's got herds, but there's not enough water for them. There's not enough grass for them to eat in the fields. So Isaac had been through the devastation, and Isaac had lost a lot of the inheritance wealth that came to him. So, But when he stayed by faith in the land, planted by faith in the land, then he became rich again. He had possession of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envy him. All right, so wealth brings envy caused by prejudice. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. Okay, so they want to destroy wealth. Isn't that interesting? That when people see you blessed and they're envious, okay, here, here's the key. They're envious. They try to destroy. You know, if you plug up the wells, there's no water for those sheep and those goats to, to, to drink and live on. So when people envy you, they try to destroy your prosperity. That's a great truth you need to get a hold of. This is why you need to learn to, what well, we'll see as we go in the story. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we are. All right. So wealth brings power and fear. Now, you may not understand it because maybe you grew up in Tondo your whole life and, you know, God has been good to you and God has blessed you and God has made you wealthy and now you have a beautiful home and a big business and a fancy car. And, you know, you go back and you see the people you started with and you find out they're afraid of you. Well, wealth brings power and fear. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the Valley of Gerar and settled there. All right, so again, he settles. He's, if, if, if this is Egypt and this is the Gaza Strip, he moves farther inland now. Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham his father, which the Philistines had stopped up after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given him. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek, 
because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over this one, so he called it Sitna. And he moved on from there and dug a well, and they did not quarrel it. And he called its name Rehoboth, saying, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Now notice, it takes room to be fruitful. It takes room to prosper. From there he went up to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night. All right, now, here again is a theophany, and said, I am the God of your father. Fear not, I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. Now, I put a little note in here. Like David, study. He blessed Isaac, for the sake of his father, Abraham. How many generations did God bless for the sake of David? See, sometimes you and I have to understand that we may live one generation on this earth, but our spiritual influence upon God can carry over many generations. So Abimelech went to him at Gerar and with Ahuzah, his advisor, and Fico, the commander of the army. Isaac said to them, Why have you come to see me, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? They said, We plainly see that the Lord has been with you. So we said, Let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you, that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now blessed of the Lord. And notice, they're saying, When you were weak, we were nice. Now that you are strong, be nice to us. Okay, be nice back. In other words, don't hurt the people who helped you when you were young, when you were small. You'll find that there are people in my life that I'm not only good to their children, even though their father has gone to be with the Lord, But now I'm doing good things for their grandchildren. Because when I was 23, 24 years old, just become your pastor, and we had all kinds of problems, there were men that stepped up and helped us as a church. There there were men that they protected us. They were a shield to us. And we wouldn't be here if those men had not been around, like old brother Tom Dog. I mean, we would have been destroyed by a denomination if old brother Tom Dog had not, had not protected us and helped us. So you, you have to learn that when people have been kind to you when you were weak, when you become strong and they ask you to be kind to them, make sure it goes both directions. So he made them a feast and they ate and drank. In the morning, they rose early and exchanged oaths and Isaac sent them on their way and they departed from him in peace. That same day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug and said to him, We have found water. And he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Beiri, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basmath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. All right, wives, 
let's do it this way. Daughter-in-laws. That bring pain. Now, you know, I would encourage all of you young people. Don't marry people that make life bitter for your mom and your dad. Young ladies, don't marry a guy that makes life bitter for your mom and dad. And, you know, guys, don't marry a girl that makes life bitter for your mom and dad. Now, I didn't say that you have to marry somebody that is only approved by your parents, but you know what? Pretty much helps. I took Sister Bev to meet my mom and dad and make sure everybody was okay with this. Say, well, you're the one who marries her. Yeah, you're the one who marries him. Yeah, but they're part of the family. So let's never do things. Let's never do things that make life bitter for our parents. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Our New Testament passage today picks up with Jesus teaching in Matthew chapter 10, beginning with verse 34. Do not think, all right, so he said, listen, some of you, you have opinions. He said, there are some opinions you should not have, okay? I mean, and now, brothers and sisters, I know people don't like it when you say things like this, but, you know, Jesus looked at people and said, I, I don't want you to think this. I don't want you to have this opinion. I don't want you to have this belief. Well, I believe. He said, I don't think like this. Don't think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, you know, sometimes we think that Jesus came to bring peace, but actually he brings conflict because Christianity is like a guerrilla army on this earth. We are, forgive me for lack of better terms, but we are rebellion against the kingdom of darkness on this earth. We are part of the kingdom of light. So we, we cannot think that Jesus came to bring an absence of conflict, and that's what peace is. He said, I came to bring conflict. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against his mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be that of his own household. You see, folks, at some point, you're going to have to realize that God's got to come first in your life. Now, I'm not like these preachers that go around and try to get young people separated from their families. No, I think people take some of this truth and stretch a truth till it becomes an untruth. But you're going to quickly find in life that when you're born again, not everybody in the family is going to agree with salvation by faith. And they're not going to agree with a new lifestyle that you live. They, 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 they know the old you, all right? <laughs> and they knew the old you very, very well. And now there's a new you who lives in righteousness and purity and holiness. And, you know, you're not perfect, but you're trying to live right. And that's a problem in people. He said, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Okay, you're going to have to learn you put God first. And sometimes it means you disappoint your family. I know what it's like. I disappointed my family when, when I got born again. And then I wasn't going to go into the family business. And then God called me to preach. And, you know, it was a disappointment to the family. But I had to put God first. And young people, sometimes you're just going to have to do what's right and keep loving your mom and dad. And years later, just like with me, years later, my mom and dad really respected what I had done. But, you know, in the early days, not so much. <laughs> Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. All right, so we could make a nice little sermon. Living worthy of Jesus. Living worthy of Jesus deals with your relationships and your family. Living worthy uh, with Jesus deals with your destiny, God's will, 
for your life? Notice it didn't say take up his Jesus's cross. You take up your own cross. Each one of us has a plan that God has for our life. We, we have to take up the will of God for our life. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. <laughs> whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. All right, now this deals with how people treat you in ministry. If they receive you, they receive me. That's Christ. And if they receive me, they receive him who sent me, the Father. So when, when people reject ministry, when people reject spiritual leadership in their life, that has to do with their walk with the Father and the Son also. The one who receives a prophet simply because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. Now notice, just because. You don't receive a prophet because of what they're going to do for you. It's just because they're a prophet. You don't receive a righteous person just because of what they're going to do for you, but just because they're a righteous person. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of water because he is my disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. All right, now notice. Here's some great teaching on rewards. Rewards promised by God. Now, you know, there's, a, there's silly teaching going around the world today that says, you know, you know, you just do things because it's the right thing to do and because you just love God. Well, yeah, that's true. But God promises rewards. So, yeah, you receive a righteous person because they're a righteous person. God says there's a reward. You have the right to expect it by faith. You receive a prophet because they're a prophet, just because they're a prophet, not because of anything they're going to do for you. And you receive a prophet's reward. You believe God for that. You, you do something just because they're just because a person is a disciple of Christ. You, you, you give them a cup of water and you won't lose your reward. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful teaching. So God teaches us reward. Chapter 11, verse 1. When Jesus had finished instructing, and remember, all of this is written, is not written. All of this is, like yesterday, is spoken to the twelve. This is ministerial teaching. Okay, this is, this is what we would call ministerial teaching. When Jesus finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples. So notice, he had disciples. These were not Jesus' disciples. And said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Now, let, let's back up to this Jesus' disciples thing. Have you ever noticed that when you go with us to Israel, you'll always find that every rabbi has disciples. As a rabbi, John the Baptist would have had disciples. But in Christianity, we don't have disciples. Everyone is a disciple of Jesus. Ah. And he said to them, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered him, go tell John 
what you see and what you hear. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news preached to them. All right, so we see miracles and we see gospel to the poor. Jesus said, I'm not here preaching to the rich people. No, there are rich people that came to hear Jesus. He said, I came to preach to the poor. And blessed are the one who is not offended by me. Now, that Greek word offended is a fascinating word. It means to see that in someone that you personally disagree with in your opinion and therefore gives you the right to rebel. It's a big concept. Blessed is the one who doesn't, I don't violate some opinion they have and therefore they have a right to rebel against me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What, what then did you go out to see? A, a man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before him. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has risen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. (laughs) Someone who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Now, this is one of those verses, you know, I got big question marks next to, and really this one too. And I've read all the theology on it, and you know, I've never seen something that just really sits yet. So that's one of those things, maybe if I'm still preaching 20 years from now, you'll hear a sermon and go, oh, that's great revelation, Pastor, because finally I'll understand it. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? This is the generation of Jesus. It is like children sitting in the marketplaces calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. (laughs) Control games. We played this game and you didn't cooperate. We played that game and you didn't cooperate. Jesus said, you know what? I'm not here to play your games. He said, John came neither eating nor drinking. And they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Now, John the Baptist, he had a Nazarite vow, which means he drank nothing of the fruit of the vine. He would not eat a raisin. He would not eat a grape. He would not drink anything, even if it was just freshly squeezed juice. But Jesus did. So John the Baptist, Nazarite vow. Jesus was not a Nazarite vow. And he said, look it, they call me a glutton and a drunkard. They call me a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Wisdom is proven by her deeds. 
you know, sometimes you look around at people and they look smart and they look right. And you look at their actions and you see later on they're not right. And then you look around at something and you go, I didn't understand that, but now I see the wisdom of it. All right. One more passage today. We always close with a little bit of wisdom from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. There's a great truth. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Okay, don't don't put the pressure of life. Now, when you lean on something, you're taking the weight off of yourself and putting it onto something. Don't take the weight off things and put it on what you understand. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Now, again, what is a straight line? It is the shortest distance between two points. If you will learn to acknowledge God in everything you do, remember the straight line guidance we talked about the other day? This will be straight line guidance. If you will learn in everything you do to acknowledge God, he'll make straight paths, shortest distance, most efficient way to reach a goal. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Now, beloved, please, we don't engage the evil in this culture. We turn away from it. We we don't look at things we shouldn't look at. We turn away from it. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh, refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with new wine. All right, so you you become a giver. With your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce, and God says, prosperity flows. This is just the law. Your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine overflowing prosperity. But folks, it doesn't happen to people who aren't givers. People who honor God with their wealth. Okay, look at what God has done for us, family. Let's honor God with this wealth. Let's do something for God. First fruits, the first fruits of everything that comes in, we bless with the Lord. And you know what? The next thing you know, prosperity is flowing to your family. God bless you. We'll see you tonight. Book of Romans, 7 o'clock sharp.